Welcome back to Raise Your Voice. I am, as always, Darby Robinson, and joining with me is my co-host, Brett Rutherford. How are you doing, Brett? It feels good to be on the other side of that and just kind of jump in, but, you know, now that we're co-hosting it, uh, it feels good, uh, but the Rays keep winning. I didn't even get a chance to watch tonight's game, so I'm kind of vis- viciously scrolling through, watching all the highlights. Of course, you know, I, I can't even tell what box score I'm looking at. It's like, oh, Wander went four for five. Yandy got a couple of hits. There were some great defensive plays, some great pitching. It's like, oh, wait, was this 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 must be the game from last week. This, there's no way it happened again. This was yesterday. No, this was two days ago. <laughs> this is today. It might be tomorrow. You never know. Uh, yeah, the Rays are the first team uh, to 20 wins in the major leagues. They stand at a record of 20 and three, which is absurd, absurd winning streak to start the season. They have won 14 games at home out of 14 games played in the trot. That's 14 and 0. That is the longest home winning streak in the modern era. The only three teams that have a longer winning streak were playing on backfields in between shifts at the local steel mill and in between getting the yellow fever. Um, so <laughs> the, we're talking about like the Maroons again, obviously, if you've been following everything the Rays are doing is historic. And then there's the Maroons in 1884, where the mound was flat. They just started throwing overhand and it was 50 feet away from home plate. So like, all, that's why most baseball, you talk about modern era because it's kind of silly behind that. There was, they were kind of just figuring out the sport at this point, but in terms of the modern era with the mound, 60 feet, six inches, actually tall, you still have like, you know, some dead ball in live ball era, blah, 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 all of that stuff, pre-integration, integration. Um, the Rays are still doing things that have not been done or seen by any kind of modern team and it's I think now settling in finally that this is just a great team like we we've joked a lot and the meme is going around through Ray's Twitter as deservedly so that like you know now they played the Astros beat the Astros eight to three so the Astros now unfortunately for their fans are no longer a real team apparently that's the rule if you lose to the a if you lose to the Rays you no longer get to be qualified as a real team. And the, the Rays continue to wait to face a real team. Um, but that's that's the joke. But that, I think at this point, 20 and three, home run streak of 22 straight games. That did end today. Uh, home winning streak continues. All of these records, all these modern era records, all of this crazy start, this insane, amazing run differential, home run to, to uh, opponent home run differential, all of these things there's no way to like fake it right like you can have a lucky schedule you can have some lucky breaks you can have some lucky bounces in between the game but at this point this is just a very deep good team period Mm -hmm. i'm just looking at some of the team stats that don't even include today where they scored what eight more runs held eight more runs astros to three um, one thing I'm noticing is like they've got like a 355 team on base percentage. The other thing I'm noticing real quick, and this is just a quick observation. I know with all the rule changes this year, people were kind of concerned with how a team like the Rays, who really didn't invent the shift, um, but they 
when Joe Madden was the manager, started to use it more than any team in baseball. And then up until this year, you know, every at-bat was was being shifted somehow. Righties, mm-hmm. lefties, it didn't matter. Um, and a lot of that, I mean, it was going to happen eventually. I think there were enough smart people in baseball that realized, hey, let's move our fielders to where they hit the ball. Um, but then, you know, the rule right. gets put in place, um, which I think out of all the rule changes, I'm like least, I like, I care least about the shift. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's over with. Ray, I'm against it on a fundamental level. Of, yeah. I don't like changing it for one dimensional batters, but I, I also don't think it's as monumental as, as it could be. Yeah. So the Rays through 20, this is through 22 games, uh, lead all of baseball in BABIP against 251. Now, again, that number's probably going to start to uh, creep up a little bit more. I don't think it'll stay 251 forever. Uh, but with that concern of like the shift and what you can do with your defense and how it's limited, uh, the Rays still have some really good infielders like Wander Franco. And you've got a guy who's probably a better defensive shortstop than Taylor Walls, who you just put anywhere else and, and he does really well. You're able to move Yandy Diaz to first base. And the Rays are just kind of in this post-shift era, just still doing their thing defensively. Yeah, and they haven't even done anything like super crazy. Like we've had some, uh, some. There's been some uh, teams playing out around with a gallo shift where you move the left field over to kind of mm-hmm. where the second baseman used to stand. But they haven't even done any like extreme overshifting. They've done, um, you know, Lau almost straight up on the line up the second baseline, and then just you know, shift over to his right when, when the ball is hit in play. So you can eliminate the ball up the middle. Uh, but yeah, they, they've just played the athleticism on this team and it's been kind of building for years. I, it really pays off now in the post shift world. And you see that, you know, great outfield defense, you see that great infield defense and range to be able to get to a lot of balls that, that, uh, that, yeah, even if you aren't positioned perfectly, um, now you can still cut, cut the the difference and 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 make a play. Uh, so really impressive. Like I, the the defense has really been playing Rays baseball this year. Uh, it's been up to the standards that we we have kind of come to expect, and it's been a little bit from everybody. I think yesterday, uh, well, this is on uh, uh, Sunday's game. Um, uh, Isak Paredes had three stellar plays in the field absolutely spectacular defensive plays and this is a guy that's that's you know here mostly for that that great whole power and amazing plate vision but he's able to glove it and Yandi Diaz has been scooping it like crazy over there at first and you know Lau when he's not hitting walk-off runs is also uh making plays out there and, and so Today, uh, Monday, and by the time you listen to this, you've seen the highlight. Wander Franco makes this unbelievable, barehanded, over-the-shoulder catch in foul territory on a full sprint. Uh, it's just, I feel like good defense sometimes is infectious. Like, everybody wants to make that highlight play because you don't want to be the person that's, like, booting the ball. You never want to do that. But, like, when everybody's making spectacular plays, you really don't want to be the guy that's that's kind of like the anchor of the team that's like dragging you down everybody wants to be able to make that flash you know flash some gloves 
And I mean, you, you pair that with an electric pitching staff that even though they're banged up right now, they get Zach Eflin back. He looked really effective in, in, in his uh, first start off the injured list. I think what I'm expecting out of Eflin this year is just being dependable. Um, he's yes, <laughs> he's maybe when everybody's healthy. Come on, I mean, he might be the fifth. I mean, I don't know. Taj Bradley's pretty talented. Like he might be the fifth or sixth most talented, like in terms of just stuff pitcher on this staff. Um, but yet he got the largest free agent contract in franchise history. But what I think we're going to get out of out of Zach Eflin is a dependable veteran starting pitcher that I'm not talking 200 innings, but I don't know, at least <laughs> 150 is the new 200, I think, in Major League Baseball. A great 150 is what you need. Yeah, yeah. a great 150 is what you need. Um, I... Yeah, the pitching staff is still even with injury. And getting Eflin back at the time they did is so big because he is a really dependable guy. He's a strike thrower. And we mentioned with the defense, he he is a guy that is one prospect. And when you are the number one prospect in a in a farm system like the Rays, that's that is saying a lot. That is a huge accomplishment. And he has huge shoes to fill because he's replacing Jeffrey Springs. Basically, we now know that Jeffrey Springs is undergoing Tommy John surgery, which means he is done for all of this year into next year. And this is an opportunity now for Taj Bradley to have a permanent role on this squad. He could be here to stay. And he is 22 years old. And so far, he is looking like he belongs in the major leagues. Very much so. Uh, yeah, permanent permanent spot for sure. I mean, it, it seems like he's completely past, you know, Yanni Chirinos, Luis Patino, Josh Fleming in, in the pecking order, and the Rays aren't concerned with his age. Now, I think they're going to be careful with him. I think we're going to see a lot of these five-inning starts for him and, and for a lot of the Rays starters at this point in the season. Um but yeah, it's it's impressive to like just see him have the each start he's had like one inning where he struggled a little bit, but he's been able to power through it. Um, and his first start, I think it was his last inning that he pitched, and then he was able to just get out of it, stop the bleeding. I mean, he hasn't imploded, which is I don't you know if you look back at like the start of Blake Snell's career, when Blake mm-hmm. Snell got in trouble, like it was over. Like, he just mentally checked out. Um, that was, like, that 2017 season. Um, I think he, even part of 2016 before. He ultimately put it together in 2018 and won a Cy Young. Todd Bradley seems so poised and composed on the mound that, like, when he gets into trouble, he continues to just trust, trust his stuff, doesn't dance around the zone, continues to attack hitters, and, and be really effective. That's the part that's really impressive to me is the is just the poise uh, for someone so young. Like that, this is I think the Rays always one of their their big philosophies when it comes to pitching is uh, if you have good stuff, trust your stuff. Don't don't worry about it. 
just you you got to attack the zone like that was the big key with Pete Fairbanks they got him he was not a, a great pitcher but he had great stuff uh early on with with Texas but here's the thing he has a fastball that's one of the best if not the best in all of baseball and they said why are you trying to dot the corners throw that right down the pipe and dare somebody to actually do anything with it and then use your secondaries to just completely melt some faces that's what he did. Same thing with glass now. Don't worry about trying to get the bottom of the zone and get grounders. Throw high. <laughs> Throw it right at the letters. And just dare people to try to hit you. And they won't. Hitting a baseball is almost impossible. And when you have that stuff, it's amazing. And Taj Bradley has next level stuff. He has some of the best uh, makeup. He has one of the most insanely filthy fastballs in baseball he is developing he is working to build those secondary pitches he's got that sweeper he's got uh he's got the cutter gyro gyro action and sweep he's got the change up and he's got a curve those have been the ones today was the curve was not really working that well wasn't getting it over for strikes same thing with the change but that's okay because that's the thing he's gonna have times when you face a really good lineup like the astros and you maybe don't have your your top tier command, or you maybe don't have it for just an inning. But today, five innings gave up four hits, no walks. That's the big key. His command was shaky early. Uh, got into a little bit of trouble. Gave up a home run. Uh, gave up another home run later on to Pena, uh, to Jeremy Pena. You know, you miss your location. Sometimes command doesn't come in the form of walks. It comes in the form of leaving a pitch in the in the happy zone. That happens. It happened to him. He got tagged twice, three earned runs, but six strikeouts, no walks. And post game, he just talked about it. It's keep you in the game. Keep this offense in the game. Let the offense kind of work. Give them a chance to get you under four innings or under four runs and give them a chance. And right now that's exactly what they need on the season though. Taj Bradley, his, his first start of the, the year was five and one third innings, three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, or that was his second start. His first start of the year, five innings, five hits, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, one walk. He's at three, he's got two walks in three starts in over 15 innings with crazy high K totals. So on the season here, uh, Cole, um, uh, Mitchum uh, at Rays Metrics, who you definitely are following. I know uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely following at Rays Metrics. But if you're not, get on it. Um, the leaders right now, minimum three starts in K minus BB, which is probably the most important uh, stat. It's kind of better than just K percentage because you can be a wipeout K guy that has like terrible command. But K minus BB, who is getting the most strikeouts without that walk kind of bringing it bringing it down you have jacob de number one at 39.2 percent number two jeffrey springs sadly 36.4 percent number three taj bradley at 35 percent and just before behind him is spencer strider who just took a a, a no hitter to the eighth inning tonight at, at 32 percent mm. so taj bradley right away the stuff numbers look great the shape looks great. The command looks great. And the results have been spectacular. Again, tough, tough start to get against the Astros. The Astros were able to, to tag him for a couple home runs. Still didn't limit the, the self-inflicted wounds with the walks, kept battling, got through five innings, 
gave the Rays a chance to win, and they responded. There's no shortage of contributors to talk about in this team, and I think we want to spend kind of the second half of the show talking about maybe, I'd like to say, like I'd like, I want to call them secondary contributors, but everybody has been, like, Paredes was like the one guy on a mini slump. Other than that, everybody's been just playing at an insane level right now. Uh, one guy in particular, Taylor Walls, just casually with a 213 WRC plus, 440 on base percentage, three home runs already on the season. Um, you know, I mean, I think maybe part of it was he spent all offseason working out at, at Tallahassee Community College. Uh, got a rep here. <laughs> uh, but just really coming to his own. Josh Lowe on the offensive side as well. Harold Ramirez, 10-game hitting streak. Uh, hitting Harold. Like, Harold Ramirez, he he's he was good, really good last year. Like, a really good fill-in. Like, not – he was just a good hitter. And uh, I think none of us believed it. <laughs> we're, we're all just, like, okay with the Rays and traded him. We're like, okay, he doesn't really fit. doesn't can't really play good defense. Like, where, what do you do with him? Um, but then he just has continued to hit. And so now I have no choice but to believe that he's just a good hitter. I think it's hard to – It's I feel like Harold Ramirez was such a bad ball hitter for like his career. And then last year he was kind of the same. He was just kind of swinging at everything. I mean, but this year he's just been a just professional hitter. He's just been getting up there, taking what's given to him. And it seems like the whole team as a whole, and they're running hot right now, but it does seem like the team as a whole has a similar philosophy that's working, which is to be a bit more selective, to, to cut down on the strikeouts and the free swinging and to really you know, kind of live up to the philosophy of that you you can only put one ball in play each at bat. So make it on the on the pitch that you want, not the pitch the pitcher wants. And Harold Ramirez, it's a, it's a classic tried and true. That's the Ted Williams hitting philosophy, and that's that that works, right? That that works in in baseball. And and Harold Ramirez, if he kind of keeps and keeps with that, he's doing a really good job of just taking the pitches that he would normally be swinging at, you know, kind of golfing it and whatnot. And, and to really like put some damage on, he's actually getting some, he was, you know, the nickname is barreled Ramirez, but he didn't really ever barrel the ball, but this year he's actually gotten a couple. He's actually been hitting some pretty much firecrackers out there, which, you know, when Harold Ramirez is, is still hot, when you get like contributions from Luke Rayleigh, who's, who's, you know, he's like your 26th guy on the bench. When, when you're getting home runs from, from Taylor Walls, who's there for the glove, like that's looking at this lineup. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but going into the season, the, the 2021 Rays that won a hundred games who were by the way, in May, when they had 19 wins, had 19 losses were 19 and 19. So this team is wildly outpacing them. They were a team that didn't have just like three superstars and a bunch of scrubs. It was a team that was very, very deep. It didn't let up. Right now, this is what this team looks like. Today, uh, against the Astros in game one of this series, Brandon Lau was over five with five Ks. 
but they put up eight runs. This was the first game all season. The Rays haven't had a home run. The home run streak ends at 22 straight games, but they put up eight runs. Like that's a really good sign of a healthy offense. When you can have one of your best power hitters, give you nothing at the plate. You don't get the long ball, but you still are able to generate eight runs of offense against a very good pitching staff for Houston. That's a sign that you can have guys have an off day because that's going to happen. That's baseball. And you just don't get a break in the lineup. You get a, you get a guy that gets on base. Next guy draws a walk. Maybe you get a strikeout. Great. The next guy up. Well, that's another challenge. Okay. You get that guy up. Next guy up at two outs. Now you still have like Harold Ramirez coming through with a double or Isak Paredes getting like a sack fly. Like you get that unrelenting lineup where there's not like that complete black hole in the lineup. And if you can, the longer you can keep that up, just getting productivity, not all-star level productivity, but just some productivity from every spot in the lineup, then this, the offense is going to put up results like this and it's going to be feeling deserved. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking, I'm trying to poke holes in it. It's really hard to, I think maybe, I don't know, you look at Jose Siri, who almost a 30% strikeout rate, walks less than 5% of the time and has like a 357 BABIP. Um, but okay, if he regresses from a 177 WRC+, plus, I'll take it. Like, how much is he going to regress? I don't think that much. Um other than that, yeah, I mean, Francisco Mejia still strikes out a ton, but he's been drawing walks. Um, he's been getting on base. Manuel Margot is like the only player who you'd say you'd look at. And, you know, Vidal Brujan, I don't think we have many expectations for him. He's only had 21 plate appearances. Vidal Brujan is having a rough season so far, but he's only got a, his bad hips 188. So just probably some poor batted ball luck at this point. Still only 64 four-plate appearances, um, but everyone else is... Com- the, like, the Rays have had, on the position player side, the same roster for the entire season. That's not true. Jose Siri went on the IL and Vidal Brujan came up. Um, but for the most part. Pretty much only, that, yeah. That's that's about it. That's the only real big change. Um, and only four players have a WRC plus under 100. It's Paredes at 88, Mejia 83. Bruhan 59 and Margot 58. That's not including Monday night's game. Um, so just, yeah, contributions from everybody. Um, and on the position player side, as well as, as the pitching. So Darby, let's talk about, we've talked a lot about the starters, how the Rays have just too much talent. If there is such a thing in starting pitching. And we've talked about, uh, I, I don't know if we still call them the stable, but the A bullpen led by by Pete Fairbanks and Jason Adam. And, and I don't know, do we throw Garrett Clevenger in that A bullpen now? Um, I do. Yeah, I, I he's so. very, he is squarely in the A bullpen for me, I think. And then Kevin Castro thinks that like Colin Poche is in the A bullpen. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, he <laughs> he definitely has to be. A, uh, yeah, well, well, we have to, we have to talk. So I think the A bullpen for me is... And that, and for that is guys that I would use in every love for every high level situation. And I wouldn't think twice about is obviously Pete Fairbanks. It's Jason Adam. He gave up a game time home run the other day on the highest hit ball. I think in the last, like in like the stat cast era, it was like 
I don't know how it got homered on, but it was, it's not, it's one of those ones where you just go like, whatever, tip your cap, it, it, that happens, but it was way above the strike zone. It's not a pitch that, you know, he didn't serve a cookie up. Um, so Jason Adam, I'm still think is right in there and Garrett Clevenger, I think is right in there. So I, those are the three guys I trust. Those are the three guys I think you can throw in any high leverage. And I think they're going to be there at the end of the season. The rest of the bullpen, it's a bit more of a question mark. And I think what the Rays tend to do, their strategy for regular season bullpen is you try out guys, you try out different roles. You don't necessarily run guys out back to back to back nights. You kind of give an opportunity to see guys in different leverage situations, see who can sink, who can swim and who might earn a bigger role. And that's how you find a guy like Jason Adam uh, and it's where you can also shake out some guys that maybe aren't going to make the cut either. Um, so let's let's throw out some names right here of the guys that have been that have pitched at least. So here's all the pitchers for the Rays this season uh, that have that have pitched. Let's say like five, four innings because that'll include Jalen Beeks. So Jalen Beeks, Colin Poche, Calvin Foche. Uh, and this is not including the top three guys we talked about, Cooper Criswell, Ryan Thompson, Yanni Chirinos, Josh Fleming, both of those kind of more in the long relief role, but Yanni's been using some two-inning performances, and Kevin Kelly. So far from the pen, this is the area that has not gotten a lot of, like if you're looking for the, the areas with the least F war, this is the area. This is the least productive unit for the team right now. And they really haven't needed to, you know, Pete Fairbanks has been nicknamed Pete Rarebanks right now by the team because he has not really had that many save opportunities, even though they've won 20 games, there really hasn't been that many to go around. Um, so what are your thoughts? What are your feeling? What's your just like, without diving into the numbers, just like your feeling when it comes to the non top three guys, like what, what is your feeling? What is the state of this pen for you? <laughs> this is going to sound like unhinged. It's April 24th. Not postseason ready. Um, not a bullpen that I would be super pumped to go into, like the team we're playing now, the Houston Astros, into a seven-game series against. Um, I, I, I'm not convinced. Like, Kevin Kelly... I'm just not convinced by yet. Good, good guy to have to help eat up some innings. Um, I, I'm all in on Fairbanks, Adam, Clevenger, and, and, and Beeks. I still really like Beeks. Colin Poche. I, I'm okay with him, like, if he's just not getting any high-leverage situations. Like, I, I don't I don't think he's a bad pitcher. I just don't want him if it's a, if it's a three-run game or closer. <laughs> um, but, like, I would rather not have Yanni Chirino, like, I'd rather not have Josh Fleming, I should say that, and, and they're kind of using him as, like, a bulk pitcher right now, pitching every fifth day still, keeping him in that, on that routine, um, but I would like to see a couple acquisitions, um, I don't know what the timeline is on Sean Armstrong, he, he was down with neck tightness, um, I just think last year the bullpen was really, really solid in one of the best parts of the team. And this year, obviously, you're still without Andrew Kittredge. 
Ryan Thompson just won on the IL. And that's another guy that, that I, I really would love to have in the back end of the bullpen. And so I, I don't know if we need to go out, not like not anytime soon, but I'd like to see them make the big pushes for relievers this year. Um, and if everybody stays healthy, we should have some trade capital. Um, I, probably not Greg Jones, though. He stinks. Um, <laughs> I'm just so I'm so negative about Greg Jones. I'm sorry. There's nothing he did wrong except for strike out 35% of the time in the minors. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just – I would like it to be a little deeper than, like, three guys who I really trust in a lockdown situation. And that's, like – that's the weakest part of the team right now is, is your back, like is your front end relievers. Nobody has good front end relievers except for teams that want to compete and win world series teams like the Houston Astros who have had really deep bullpens for, for the last few years. And the Ra- the Rays are a team that will, I think for me, it is not a great spot right now. The, the team, the, the bullpen is walking too many people and not striking out really anybody. So that's the big issue. And they've gotten some decent results. Like Colin Pochet has like an under two ERA. I think he had like just like a little bit above a one ERA, but it has not been a good looking uh, performance. It has been a very ugly seven innings. And it's because he's not getting K's. He's not getting whiffs. He's not getting, uh, he, he's not able to generate those whiffs that he used to back pre-injury. Um I think you see guys like Jalen Beeks, whose stuff is just very mediocre. I think you have guys like Trinos, who's clearly come back from an injury. Poche and Poche are both good stuff guys by those metrics, but they have not been getting good results. Uh, Poche's command is atrocious. It's just that it is maybe unlike salvageable, but I think it's his stuff is so good that you want to keep giving it a shot. Um, but yeah, like his start was rough because it's still, again, I, a man does not usually improve when you start throwing more than the short relief. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with there, but I also don't, I'm not too down on it because this is the opportunity to figure that out. Like you don't want to necessarily pull the plug on Poche or Fauche or Beaks or, you know, any of these guys until you know what you really have because Andrew Kittredge looked bad in multiple appearances with the team in multiple stints. Uh, Kirby Yates sucked. Kirby Yates was terrible with the Rays, but he had, like, they kind of kept him for around for a while, eventually had to let him go, and then he became an all-star closer. Um, I think some guys, it, it like, it takes a little bit. And relief is such a volatile unit. That, like, if next year uh, Calvin Fauché put up, like, a two-win season was the best reliever in baseball, I would not be – I wouldn't be shocked if he just came from next year and said, like, yeah, I'd he's, like, the shocked. most dominant reliever. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I legitimately wouldn't. That's how relief goes. And then if the next year after that he was absolutely terrible – because, like, Jason Adam was cut twice. Yeah. And he became, like, one of the most indispensable guys. And that's the thing is, like, you you never know if those guys are going to turn into – Pete Fairbanks, multiple Tommy Johns, and like a six uh, ERA. Dan Russell was ready, to, was ready to burn down Tropicana Field when we traded Nick Solak. We lost Nick Solak, who's, uh, I think he's a fourth team this year. He's yeah. fourth, fifth, I don't know, he's somewhere. Um, 
work on the defense, kids. That's the goal. That's the lesson that you learn from there is standing at multiple positions is not as good as being able to play multiple positions. Um, so no, I don't think the bullpen is very good right now. I think you, you the, the, the K's need to go up. You cannot live without getting strikeouts, not in the modern era. However, you mentioned Sean Armstrong thrown off the mound again. He comes back. That's a big boost. Uh, you have guys like Andrew Kittredge who could be back by all-star break this year, potentially aggressively. Uh, that would be cool. You have guys like Colby White who might uh, make an appearance later in this season. You have guys like Evan Reifert who could be coming up that could that could make a splash. But the guy that I think you got to keep an eye on is somebody like Ben Heller who could be coming up and become that next Jason Adam uh, in in short short time. So you have options. You have guys that look good though. The one guy, though, I do want to mention from the non-A pen that that has actually impressed me so far is the or the uh, Rule Five draft pick. And that's Kevin Kelly. Uh, you know, when the Rays take a Rule Five pitcher, that's something impressive because they don't take Rule Five guys. You have to keep them on the roster for the entire year. But Kevin Kelly uh, looks really solid. Like he looks like a guy that that does does something different than than uh, Ryan Thompson, but throws in a similar, very low arm slot, very tough to pick up uh, type of guy. He's limiting the walks. He's getting ground balls, but not even at the rate that he normally would in the minor leagues. He's getting some K's, uh, and he's been able to give length, which has been really nice. He's been going basically two innings every single time out. And that's really impressive. He's shortening the games and he's, he's pitching to contact. He's getting uh, guys out. He's today, he went two innings, gave up two hits, but three strikeouts. And again, no earned runs. Uh, Kevin Kelly's a guy that I think has a potential future on this, this team. Like he's a guy that I think could stick around. I think we're going to have to see the shakeout with guys when, when uh, Armstrong gets back. When he gets healthy, when you decide like, okay, maybe Fauché needs to work this out in the minors. I think there are some options there, but the bullpen is a nebulous creature. It's always kind of forming and shaping and reforming. And I think the Rays are smart right now to not push the panic button, to keep building it, keep forming it and see what you have. Is Calvin Fauché... Holland Poche, uh, Jalen Beeks. Are these guys going to throw in October for the team? Maybe, maybe not. The, this bullpen could look entirely different by the end of this season. And it probably will. That's just the nature of the game. And so I, I'm always excited to understand the bullpen um, mystery and, and kind of fit the puzzle pieces and see what sticks, what doesn't. But I also agree this is an area that I I think is an exciting place to be weak at because the Rays are so good at major league scouting that I would love to see them make those fairly cheap, not expensive trades for a guy that's not a closer, not a setup man, not a high leverage arm right now, but could be because they have the right stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think I worry less and less that teams are going to trade those types of guys to the Rays. Uh, historically, it hasn't worked out. The one guy 
that I'm kind of uh, upset that we don't have anymore is um, uh, Evan Phillips, who only threw three innings for the Rays before going over to the Dodgers. I hated that. I will say this, and I think I might have even said it on the podcast. I definitely tweeted about it, but I was a big Evan Phillips guy when they got him from Baltimore. So I just love guys that like throw like a ton of off speed or bendy and like kind of flip the flip the form. He had amazing stuff, just not the greatest command, wasn't really all the way formed. But I was so excited. They called him up. They needed, they kind of were having some injuries and they shuffled him through and he didn't have any options left, which is how the Rays got him in the first place. But that's that's a that's one that got away. That's definitely one that got away. So I don't know. Hopefully they can find uh, someone else, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's why, though, I will say this. That's that's the lesson for why, like, Ben Heller is not up right now. Yeah. Because when you add him to the roster, he's out of options. You don't want to – you then are basically saying he's here to stay. And I think they're going to want to get him more formed in the minors and, you know, kind of, like, really work with him to figure out the best – like sequencing and location and stuff you know he's already he's already tweeted about how basically uh they're they're leaning in and saying you have this amazing hard sinker just pepper that like bump bump the usage way up and just just absolutely hammer it in and so and he's excited about it uh i'm excited to see it uh in the majors soon but i i do think that's that's the type of thing evan phillips had to come up because they they really needed the arms, they were kind of churning through arms, and it's that's a bummer. I think in in a retrospect, they probably would have preferred not to have to to use that. Um, but then the Dodgers traded us Garrett Clevenger, so it's like you know it, it, it kind of works out. These two teams with overflowing uh, bullpens, and they just trade and you know. So there's always the Dodgers for the Rays. We'll, we'll always just swap. Uh, pieces and go maybe you can make this toy work and then they will and then they'll trade us one of their broken pieces and then we'll make it work and so it just it'll just shake out perfectly there were a few guys like that on the 2021 team that just got a few innings and (laughs) got sent on their way um because of all the injuries um david has pitched two innings with the rays joey crebeal who i think still in the big leagues pitched an inning um, Chaz Rowe pitched two thirds of an innings that, that year for the Rays. Um, Cody, he got hurt. Yeah, I remember DJ Johnson got hurt in his like first appearance with the Rays. DJ Johnson got hurt. Yeah, blew out his arm. That was a big one. Cody Reed suffering from the TOS mm. thoracic outlet syndrome. Wow, we had a lot of pitchers that year. Forty-one of them. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I'm not freaking out about the bullpen. And it's, I don't know, at this point, we're just kind of grasping for straws, trying to poke holes in a 20-3 and three team, a team that is going to continue winning. And I think right now the guy, those guys in the B bullpen are, what's the right word for it? I guess I don't want to call them cannon fodder, but, I mean, you're just, you're seeing what you got, trying to get through innings. Luckily, we've had big enough leads where you don't need them to pitch in any serious situation. So, overall, I can't complain. <laughs> they keep winning. Uh, a big statement win in Game 1 against the Astros. This will be out Tuesday. 
uh, before games two and three. Then they go to Chicago for a four-game set after sweeping the White Sox at home. I don't know what the weather's like in Chicago. I know there's some snow up towards that part of the country this week. Um, so I'm guessing it's going to be one of those windy April weekends uh, on the south side. So we'll, we'll anything can happen. Yeah. You like I, historically, I feel like those weekends in Chicago do not go well for the Rays. There's Was some that... weird stuff. Weird stuff happens in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Was that no hitters? <laughs> no hitters. Oh, that was a perfect game. Um, oh, that was a perfect one. Yeah, yeah. that was. That I'm, I'm I'm undercutting Burley. Yeah, you had the um, who made the catch out in? Uh, it wasn't that wasn't die. It was another Jermaine. That was, uh, that was... Oh no! Shoot! Now I'm forgetting it. I blocked it out of my memory. Anyways, we can kind of uh, wrap it up here, but yeah. Uh, yeah, last any final thoughts? When you're nitpicking the bottom half of your bullpen, things are going pretty great. It was Dwayne that's, Wise. That's by that's the, way. the lesson. Dwayne Wise. Yeah. Well, good catch. Very good catch. Um yeah, when 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 it's when you're like, you know, man, the our our long bulk relievers are just not, I don't feel very confident in them. You know you're probably running pretty well, especially when you have nothing else where you can't really be like, I don't know. I wish Luke Rayleigh would hit a little bit better. I, it's like it's like a weird, it's a very funny time to be so positive because that's all you can be. It's it's just the this is a f- fantastic team that's so it, they're so fun. I think that's that's my final thing, right? This is a extremely fun team, and we talked about so much of last year how not they were good. They were a a team that was like set up to potentially challenge for the the division in September. Like they had won a bunch of games. They ended up winning a bunch of games. They won the, they won like one of the wild card spots. They went to the postseason, but they just weren't fun. It was like kind of a, and it it was the injuries mostly that was just like constant bummer, like nothing. There couldn't get a rhythm, but with pretty much the same squad, but like back healthy and just, I think just like more, just I think bringing back the same people really did some kind of magic to just, I think, keeping like the friends back together. Everybody just seems happy to be around and to to work with everybody, to go to the ballpark, to 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 be with everybody and hang out. And it's just this team has a lot of swagger. They're just very fun. There's just charisma out the wazoo. It's insane. You know, Randy and Wander and and Lau with his first walk up like this, this is just like such a fun time uh, to be a Rays fan and just such a fun team to, to put your, uh, I think, support and energy in. There's like so many of these guys that are doing this are locked up long-term or they're like Taj, who's just, just starting his, his major league journey. And so check just, yeah, this is just, this is just fun. I just am enjoying this ride because I know it's not going to be this good all year, but man, it just might keep, be. keep turning it away. But maybe, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Um, We're coming for one, you, Seattle Mariners. I've got one last shout out. Um, I know we talked about Taj Bradley, we talked about Zach Eflin. Um, but between like how the second half of last year went 
with Shane McClanahan and how his first half was, you know, Cy Young level, then, you know, started to come back to earth a little bit. Then there was a little injury scare and Tyler Glass now comes back. Jeffrey Springs steps up. Jeffrey Springs is an amazing start this year. Everybody starts talking about him and the Rays bring in Eflin and Bradley comes up like Shane McClanahan is still an ace doing ace things. Looks like he's on his way back to the all-star game. Uh, still early, but yeah, I just feel like we, we forget about somebody that's just doing incredible things that nobody else in baseball is doing. And the swing and miss stuff that Shane McClanahan has right now um, is better really than we've seen. in, in, in that, I mean, his last game was, was one of the best ever. Historically good. Yeah. Again, another historically good performance. Um, it, yeah. We, you kind of, you kind of sometimes sleep on the guys that you expect to be good so yeah you probably shouldn't so <laughs> Shane McClanahan still there uh I'm glad you brought him up because yeah he deserves some some flowers he's he's a hell of a pitcher and yeah it's it's not like found money because he's a first round pick it's not like he's a guy that you know I'm, I'm sure some people will be like where did this guy come from it's like I don't know the top of the draft he's, he's like everybody thought he was great he's been he's been great since high school he's been great at USF uh but this is he he is improving he is definitely getting better and better as a as a pitcher more of a complete pitcher I think which is which is something we've seen from somebody like Tyler Glass now where the stuff the raw stuff is great once he becomes a pitcher rather than a thrower the sky's the limit and we're we're seeing that before our very eyes Definitely. Well, I think that's all we got for this week. I think we went longer than we expected, but what's new? Uh, Darby, uh, this was, this was fun again. The race keep winning. I don't know what we're going to, I mean, we'll have a lot more to talk about when the race stop winning. Um, and we can sit here and sulk for an hour and a half. Um, but for now we're keeping these, you know, around an hour or so. Thank you to everybody who, who has been listening slash watching on YouTube. We're still working on getting onto the new podcast feed. And uh, my schedule is opening up a lot more now, so tons more content, I believe. Um, I, I, I think it'll be on a different YouTube channel. I'm, I'm almost positive it will be. Uh, but Who's on Worst coming back very soon. Um, so keep your eyes on social media on where you'll be able to find that show. Um, we got to get, we, we set a date. Um, our next movie is going to be Cobb. Uh, Darby, I believe you've oh, already yes. watched it. I have indeed. Uh, and it's, I have, I have so many takes about the movie and I have so many takes about the real life author book that the movie is based on. Okay. And we'll be consulting with our legal team for how much, uh, libel we can do in one episode. Yeah. We've already, we'll also be consulting with Guinness. (laughs) We've already accused like, uh, directors of not really directing movies and, We've done a lot of stuff. Move, move over, Fox. We're trying to come for your record uh, <laughs> in a lawsuit. Um, Will the Murdochs pay for us too, please? Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. If you enjoyed it, drop a like, hit subscribe. We'll be on a podcast feed where you can subscribe or follow on there, uh, hopefully very, very soon. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.